sticker that says Born Hard. I bet you do. <laughs> Guess that movie and you get uh, a pat on the back. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly. And I am your co-host and Kelly's dazzling genius husband, Austin. <laughs> Okay, so the anyway. Titanic is a big boat that went splash. That's still <laughs> funny. If you missed the last episode, you missed out on a good laugh. Yeah, it was, and we still haven't gotten the person funny. to come forward yet. Yeah, we still don't know who left that review. You know what? I have an idea. Hmm. I'm. You know what, guys? I don't even have jurisdiction to do this, but if that person can tell us who they are and prove it, you get a free Patreon membership for one month. <laughs> You did not even ask me. I know. I don't even have jurisdiction. <laughs> this isn't even my podcast. Oh, my God, Austin. I'm, I'm just kidding. I don't even know if I can if I can do that. I mean, I don't really know. If, if but if I can, then review, I will. We want to identify you because I want to know if you're, you know, what you're doing in life. I hope you're using those writing skills, that sense of humor. Okay. Anyway, on to today's episode. I'm sorry for crossing my jurisdiction. <laughs> today's episode was recommended by Ashley Lovely. If that is really your last name, that was your name on that's Instagram. Lovely. If that's really your last name, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Kelly loves like, uh, listen to that person's name. It sounds cool. You know, when you're a little kid and you I write think I stuff, know someone named London Loveless. And I was like, oh my God, that's a rock star name. Or a porn star name. Well, I hope she's not listening. Well, sorry if she is. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's a cool ass name. Yeah. Um, anyways, do you know when you're a kid, how did you ever do the things where you write and you write on a piece of paper and you're like, that's a seventh grade A? No, that's a fifth grade A. Maybe that was just my class. Maybe, but you still write your A's like a middle school girl with like the hump on the top and then like you bring it down and then you do the loop. That's like how I did it in middle school. So much extra time. Okay. Um, well let's get into the show. I'll just (laughs) screw off. So the reason I brought that up was because I don't even remember why I brought it up now. Cool. Oh, because you sound like that whenever uh, you say that's a cool name. Those, that person has a cool name. Austin. All right, let's get into the show. All right. I'm setting the mic down folks. <laughs> oh my god, he really did. Uh, before we get started, I want to apologize for sounding so congested because it probably sound like um, I don't know someone who can't breathe out of their nose because I can't. So I super sorry for something that I can't control. <laughs> Deal with it. Um, and also, we have some new Patreons to thank, and there's a lot. Super excited for this. So, Beth Davis, Chelsea Jago, Nicole Murdoch, Shanda Parrish, Daisy Frisch, Fritch, Erica Moore, Sammy Joe Howard, um, Jessica Carlskin, Amanda Hux, Lydia May, Tierra Schrombeck, Lindsay Verbeck, Katie Mays, and also Taylor McDowell and Griffin. Oh, and Jennifer Schultz. Damn, that's a lot. We are growing Gosh, and showing, friends. We appreciate it. That is so freaking awesome. Thank you, know you guys what? so much. And Kelly's talking about it. So she's a grower and a shower. Yep. That's what we do in this house. Anyway, so today's case is about a man named Kevin Bacon. Um, you might be familiar with that name because it is the name of a fav- famous actor. But Or because you like bacon. No. Um, but we would be thinking of the wrong person because we are talking about Kevin Richard Bacon, who was born November 28, 1994, in Lansing, Michigan, to parents Carl and Pamela. 
They moved to Schwartz Creek, Michigan, which is a really small suburb of Flint uh, when he was little. And in fourth grade, Kevin met his best friend, Michelle Myers. They became instant best friends. They maintained this friendship for like 20 years and eventually became roommates um, as they became adults. So Michelle loved Kevin's openness, his transparency. He was confident and he was a gay man who was strong-willed, confident in his choices. He was attentive, compassionate, caring. Sometimes he did struggle with his mental health, but he was very open about that and he did seek help. So he took a medication for that. No shame, no shame in that at all. Um, Kevin was also known to always be putting people first, especially his friends and family. And I feel like it's common for people like that to kind of put themselves on the back burner. So I'm just glad that he sought help for himself. Um, and let that be a lesson to any of you who may need to put yourself first sometimes, but Kevin went to cosmetology school at Sharps Hair Academy in Grand Blanc, um, but he was also going to the University of Michigan in Flint, and he was studying applied psychology, and his goal was to become a clinical therapist, but his parents did mention that he just had like a natural talent for styling hair. He was especially great at braiding. From the age of 12, if he would come upon a friend with hair long enough to braid... He'd be like, hey, let me braid that hair. Yes, probably in that, that same accent. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Um, he was fascinated by runway styles. He dreamt of styling hair for fashion shows someday. So he was very into just beauty, hair, makeup, all that stuff. So while in school, he worked at a few different hair salons. And um, he experimented on himself even with bold hair colors and makeup trends. He was six foot two, so a pretty tall guy. And he was tatted up with tattoos that all held a lot of personal meaning to him. He even had some tattoos honoring the famous YouTube star, Jeffree Star. Have you ever heard of him? I have. You have? That really surprises me. With as little as you know about everything, it surprises me that you know about Jeffree Star. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I've heard you listening to him. Go ahead. (laughs) I didn't say it. The review said it. Drop it. Okay, so anyway, he also had cats named Smokey and Fuzzy, and he also had a dog named Hannah. Gosh, there's a lot of details about this guy. So sweet. I'm just trying to introduce you to who he is. Round him out as a person. So Kevin was single, and in a small town or even just in today's society, it can be hard to meet people organically. So many other singles, um, like Kevin, turn to online dating. But here's the thing about online dating. Anybody can make a profile, and it requires no background check. So literally anyone with just an email address can create an account. So this is really troublesome because it requires people to do their own investigating, but people can also lie about their names. So it's just a really risky business and you never know who you're really meeting on these dating apps. And it's actually been statistically proven. I always have trouble saying that word. Really? Yeah. I always like stutter when I try to say it. Statistically proven that crime rates, especially sexual assaults have gone up since the creation of these dating apps. Catfish. And that, yeah, Catfish is a big TV show, and yeah, that probably all ties in. But anyway, Kevin's dating app of choice was an app called Grinder, which if you don't know, it's an app for gay, bi, trans, and queer people. It's location-based, so it shows you which users are near your current area. And from my understanding, it's kind of like a hookup 
app. So like Tinder for I think more people LGBTQ. are probably, if I had to guess, mm-hmm. that more people are probably on it to mingle rather than to find a real relationship. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're just kind of looking to hook up, but just hit it and quit it kind of situation. Not you know all it. about those. What? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> His face. <laughs> what? What? So anyway. <laughs> One more rude comment to me and I leave. <laughs> Okay, so on December 24th of 2019, Kevin met someone named Mark Latunsky on Grindr. He told his roommate, Michelle, that he was going to meet up with someone and that he would check in later. He left his apartment around 5.30, and about an hour or so into his date, he texted Michelle to let her know that he was having a good time and that he didn't know when he would be back. He told Michelle that if his mom called, to just tell her that he was sleeping. Um, And then at around 6.20, Kevin's phone was turned off. So the next day was Christmas, and Kevin was supposed to meet up with his family that morning for breakfast. And when he didn't show up, his parents were concerned because it wasn't like him to just not show up or not call. Especially on Christmas morning, probably. Especially on Christmas. He was very considerate and punctual, so this was like totally out of character for Kevin. So they can't get a hold of him. Michelle can't get a hold of him. And as the day goes on, they're becoming more and more worried. Michelle tells them that he was meeting up with someone he met on a dating site the night before. And this was a huge red flag to his parents. So they contact the police to report him missing. But police don't immediately, like, officially declare him as missing. Um, His friends and family start searching for Kevin, and one of the first things they do is start retracing Kevin's steps. So they ping his phone, and the last time it pinged was near a family dollar in a little shopping strip. So they go there, and they actually find his car in the parking lot. And inside his car were his wallet, keys, money, phone, and a bag of clothes, And Michelle was able to identify that these were the clothes that he went out in the night before. So it was alarming to his friends and family because he didn't have, like, a change of clothes with him. So it's just bizarre. Like, why would all of his clothes be left in his car? That's strange. It's weird. So... Unfortunately, the shopping mall did not contain any surveillance cameras, and the search for Kevin begins to expand. His friends and family are all attempting um, to get the people at Grindr to hand over any information they can to help them find Kevin, but Grindr absolutely refused to hand over any information. So a few days go by. It is now the 28th, and Kevin has been missing for three days when police finally catch a break. Somehow they were able to access information on Kevin's phone and access his Grindr account, revealing the messages that he exchanged the night that he went missing. And they can see like who he was planning on meeting up with. Mm-hmm. They come upon these messages with a 50-year-old man named Mark Latunsky, and they figure out who he is and where he lives and head to his house to conduct a welfare check. So Mark's home was this really pretty brick house, and it kind of reminds me of like an old school house, but maybe a little more modernized. It's just a quaint little home, brick home, located in Bennington Township. It sat back on a property not near any other houses, so it was a little secluded. Mark Latunsky 
a little bit about him. He got his master's in chemistry from Iowa State, and when he left, he actually sued the city of Ames for the $1 a month charge for sewer, claiming that it was unconstitutional. He sued Ames, Iowa. Yeah. For a dollar. For a dollar a month for the time he was there. On what planet (laughs) does that make any... On what planet can you make it make financial sense to sue somebody for a dollar? A month. I don't care if it's like 60 months. Like, it costs more money to get an attorney. Yeah, to go through all that, like, your time has to be worth way more than I would love more details on that, but it's really unnecessary. I don't know if he won. I didn't even care to look, honestly. I'm assuming he didn't. (laughs) Mark threw $7 million after a $75 lawsuit. Yeah. (laughs) $7,000, whatever. Whatever. So, he was also married to a woman named Emily from 2001 to 2013, and they had four kids together. But in 2010, and again in 2012, he was officially diagnosed with severe reoccurring chronic depression with psychotic features, adjustment disorder, and anxiety with paranoid schizophrenia with borderline personality traits. That's a mouthful. That's a laundry list of some shit. Of diagnoses. Yeah. He was prescribed medications for these diagnoses, and when he took these medications, he was fine. But if he missed them, he was unbearable. Isn't that so crazy? Like, to think that there's people that they're unbearable. Mm -hmm. They can't live in society. They can't function Mm -hmm. as a human. But then if they take their medications, it solves literally all of it. Mm -hmm. There's people... I know of people who like, if they don't, t- they, they refuse to take them and they want their life to be this jumbled mess. It just sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. And you know, there's the, it's really sad. the argument that some people use is that they feel like a zombie when they're on the medications and you just want to shake them. And it's like, no, but you're, you're acting normal. Like this is your, this is the most normal we can they, get out of you. They but can't understand that's what normal is. Yeah. yeah. And so it's really sad because it's not their normal. It's not. And normal, such a subjective word. In totally. In so it's like weird. Yeah. Like you're weird. Well, we're all weird. Yeah. Like, oh, I was acting. What's normal. your version of weird? Yeah. yeah what's your version of normal? Right. Yeah. So, um, so he was freaking. He had some serious shit. He had some serious shit going on. Emily eventually filed for divorce, citing a few times when he was really difficult or impossible to handle. So she said there were many times he wouldn't sleep and he would just stay up watching like torture videos and horror movies. And he would threaten to get rid of the kids' animals. He would refuse to bathe or shave. One time he kidnapped two of his kids and kept them from their mother, violating their custody agreement. And another time he refused to let any of them leave his house, including Emily. So this was just a few of the instances he had with Emily. On another run-in with police, he was caught on his dad's property And when they asked him who he was, he lied and told them his name was William Dean and that he killed Mark Latunsky with, quote, the stroke of a pen, end quote. He told the cops he killed himself? But wait, he told his cops he killed somebody? Yeah, he... But it was himself? But it was was him. And I don't know what that means by the stroke of a pen. And what would have happened? Like, did they not say, well, you're under arrest? I don't know whatever actually came of that. Um, I don't know if anyone came and vouched for him. Like, no, listen, he's got some issues and he's unmedicated. But that was just one of the other instances that he had a run-in with police. So, Sounds like a heck of a guy to meet up with on Grinder. 
Yikes. So when Mark and Emily divorced, he moved on from Emily and married a man named Jamie Arnold. Their marriage lasted about five years, but separated. They separated prior to Mark's run-in with Kevin because Jamie said, quote, Mark started saying some very unusual and unreasonable things, accusations. He claimed that the neighbor was polluting our water. He claimed that his family was not his family, that his biological family was not his, that his children were not his. He said, I can no longer bathe in the house because it was toxic, unquote. So Jamie also said that he would come home to Mark entertaining other men in the house while he was there. And I'm using entertaining, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, we're just not going to get graphic with it because this isn't that kind of podcast. Yeah, well, give it time because this story gets crazy. Um, But anyway, he would come home to him, you know, hanging out with these other dudes. And he would even try to involve Jamie in the activities, but he wanted no part of it. He even said in an interview, like, he would see what was going on, then go make dinner and just go to bed because he just wanted to get away from it. Um, So ultimately, they separated in September of 2019. And it was only two months later that police were knocking on Mark's door looking for Kevin Bacon. Wait, I thought this was happening on December 24th. So it was three months later. September, October. September, October. October. Oh, you're right. (laughs) You should have just seen Kelly. She went to count and she put her thumb out first and then the other ones and she looked like a little kid. All right, so three months later. I'm sick. Leave me alone. I'm going to blame it on that. (laughs) Guys, Kelly's so much sweeter when she's sick. (laughs) Thanks. Okay, so anyway, when Mark answered the door, he was wearing nothing but a leather kilt. And Mark. That's the picture on the Instagram. <laughs> that's the picture on our Instagram. I don't know if it's the same one. Maybe he owned a few, a variety of leather kilts. Who knows? But uh, Mark Next time is you a. Walk in the house, I'm going to have a leather kilt. Please, on. God, no. God, please don't. All right. Absolutely not. No, leather, no. Leather chaps? No, thank you. May I continue? (laughs) He's getting ready to leave. So, okay, Mark is a pretty big dude with this, like, really long beard. And I feel like he almost resembles, like, a cross between, like, a Russian and a Viking and, like, maybe a warlock. And you just, like, swirl them all together. And you have Mark Latunsky. I don't know. I just, he's he's an interesting fella. (laughs) I think he's creepy looking. I put a picture of him on our Mama Mystery page in case you're curious. Um, and he would, like, put his beard in all these different ponytails. Uh, I don't know. You just have to look him up. He's just a weird dude. But when police told Mark that they were conducting a welfare check, he let them in to look around. And he was just totally nonchalant about it. He's like, yeah, come on in. And it wasn't long before they discovered a trap door leading to a hidden room in his basement. Weird as heck. That's when they found Kevin Bacon dead, hanging from the rafters in the ceiling, upside down and completely naked. So Mark was immediately arrested and admitted that he stabbed Kevin in the back. And when that didn't kill him, he slit his throat. Then he said he tied a rope around his ankles and strung him up from the ceiling. And he also admitted that he noticed it was a new moon that night. And usually he has Rocky Mountain oysters or, you know what those are? Bull testicles. 
But since he didn't have any, he figured he would just cut off Kevin's testicles, cook them up in a frying pan, and eat them. No way. And that's exactly what he did. No way. Yes. Holy, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. So he also admitted that if he had had more time, he would have continued eating parts of Kevin's body. And Mark's version of the story went like this. So Mark said that he and Kevin started chatting on Grinder, and they agreed to meet. He said Kevin really wanted to live out a fantasy, which was to meet him in a public place, and then Kevin would get completely undressed and get into Mark's van wearing nothing but a blindfold, earmuffs, and ankle and wrist restraints. So if this is true, it might explain why Kevin's clothes and belongings were found abandoned in his car. There were not any signs of struggle or foul play in or around his car. So I guess it's, it's truly impossible to confirm if this story was true or not. Um, I'm not inclined to believe anything Mark says, but I also know some people just fantasize about weird shit. So I'm not here to judge. Like, who knows? I'm but- judging. <laughs> I don't care. And you know what? There's going to be about four personal listeners that think I'm an asshole and the 96 that say, yeah, that's freaking weird as shit. Yeah. I'm judging. I don't care. I'm not going to sit here and go all politically correct. I'm not judging. That's a dumbass move. And I still feel bad for the guy. I get his test. He's eaten and he got killed and it's horrible. But you're talking about a person that decided to get in a car with a stranger and said, hey, before I hop in, I'm going to get naked and have you blindfold me and put wrist restraints on and we just met. And No, I'm judging. That's a screwed up deal. Yeah. So if it's true, I agree with you. It's a very poor choice. Okay. Um, but I guess if it's not true, then you can imagine that maybe he subdued Kevin somehow, maybe got him into his vehicle unclothed him, then put all, like, tied him up and put him, you know, like, let you have s- to think of both scenarios, let both possibilities. Straight, I don't not feel bad for him. It's still, I feel bad that Oh, this for happened. sure. I'm not saying that I'm judging him like, oh, he deserved this. No, but, God, no. But very, very, very stupid decision. Yeah, if that was the decision. If that was the decision. Because we don't know for sure if that's know. really what happened. I or, wasn't there. Yeah. So yeah. you just, you just don't know. You, it could go either way. Yeah. So um, anyway, either way, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it happened. So Mark said Kevin rode in the back of Mark's vehicle all the way to Mark's house. Then they had consensual sex and talked for a while. And he said that Kevin confided in him about some suicidal thoughts that he'd had in the past. And Mark said he offered to help him die. They, he said they talked about how they would make his body disappear. And Mark said that Kevin wanted his body to be repurposed. So Mark told him he would grind up his bones to use them in the soil of a tulip garden and that he'd use his other organs to grow chestnuts. Man, this dude is a looney tune. I mean, you can't get much more random than this shit. Like, and detail is all get out. That's what makes me think it's a lie because Mark is known to have these psychotic tendencies, these psychotic features that go along with his paranoia and all this shit. And it just makes me think like there is a screw completely missing. It's not just loose, it's gone. And all of this stuff is just rattling out of his mouth. And who knows what to believe? I don't believe any of it. I don't believe that Kevin wanted to die. I, I really don't. I don't think he would have wanted to die in such a way to leave his family like that on Christmas. I just don't I don't see that happening. The way he talked to Michelle before he left, the plans he intended for the next day, Christmas morning. I just don't believe it. 
Right. So I believe Mark is just full of shit. But um, police intercepted a package that was meant for Mark. It was heading to his house, and it was a dehydrator that Mark said he planned on using to turn Kevin's muscles into jerky. So Mark was charged with open murder and mutilation of a body. He was assigned a public defender, and during the arraignment in front of a judge, the judge asked him to confirm that he was Mark Latunsky, and he said, no, I am Edgar Thomas Hill, and Mark Latunsky is my nephew. It's kind of late um, say that. Mm, what the hell? Yeah, and apparently this like genuinely confused some people, like maybe in the media or just people in the community, because they're like, wait, are we sure you have the right guy? And they had to be like, yes, yes, it's him. He's just See, that, he's that, off his when you fucking say meds. That. When you say that, it makes me think like the other stuff is more likely to be a lie just because he's a compulsive liar. Yeah, and, and it's, but it's hard to know if he's like a compulsive liar or if he just believes these things to be true because he's psychotic. He actually, yeah, what if he actually believes these That's things? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like all these mental issues he has, like he probably believes these things to be true. Man. So um, with this, Mark's competency, competi- oh my God competency to stand trial came into question. So he was sent to the Michigan Center for Forensic Psychiatry where he stayed until he was deemed competent. So I'm guessing that they kept him there until they were able to get him back on his meds and thinking relatively straighter. But there's something important to add here. Kevin's attack was not an isolated incident. Just one month before Kevin was murdered, a neighbor called 911 after seeing Mark chasing a 29-year-old man who was running from Mark's house wearing nothing but a $300 leather kilt. When police arrived, the man told them that he had been chained in Mark's basement but ran after becoming, quote, spooked. And when they questioned Mark, he said he was just concerned about getting the $300 kilt back. That's all he cared about. All he wanted back was his kilt. Nobody ended up filing a complaint or a police report because everything that happened in the house was apparently consensual. And except then Oct- for the stealing of the kilt. Except for when he escaped <laughs> with the kilt. So then in October, just two months prior to Kevin's murder, a man was visiting Michigan from New York, apparently on business, and he called 911 after he escaped Mark's basement. He told dispatchers that he met Mark at a bus station in Flint, and he said, quote, we went to the store, had a soda, I woke up in the basement, he obviously drugged me. The caller said he didn't want to pursue legal action. He said, quote, just get me the fuck out of here so I can go home end quote. And I have heard of this, like people not wanting to press charges when they live out of state because they don't want to have to like come back and testify and whatever. But just think, had you done that, maybe it could have changed the trajectory for Mark's life right. and Kevin's life. I don't know. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but um, you know, just who knows? Uh, so the 911 calls of both of those victims are actually available on YouTube. And I would add them here like I usually do, but honestly, they're so muffled and difficult to understand that it's probably best if you just search for them on YouTube and watch them with the captions on because both men are like out of breath and running to safety. So it is, you know, like really dramatic, but it's just impossible to put them on here. So anyway... In my opinion, what happened with Kevin Bacon was something that Mark was probably attempting with at least two other victims that we know of. 
which in my opinion indicates premeditation and leads me to believe that Kevin, Kevin never actually wanted to die because these other two victims didn't want to die either, but found themselves in very similar situations that just didn't go as far as Kevin's. And also, if Kevin was if Kevin really wanted to die, then why was he stabbed in the back? When a victim has wounds on their backside, it indicates that they were either unsuspecting or they were trying to get away from someone. So like, for example, if someone is shot in the back, it's hard to claim that you shot that person in self-defense because you wouldn't need to defend yourself from someone who's running away from you, right? Mm-hmm. It's a good point. So Mark Latunsky's murder trial has yet to begin for a couple of reasons. COVID-19 is setting so many trial, trials back, especially jury trials, but also Mark's competency keeps coming into question. His public defender, Douglas Corwin Jr., said, quote, he had prior delusional thoughts and that these thoughts involve conspiracy theories that involve judges, nations, and royal bloodlines. He still has those same delusional thoughts and cannot separate delusion from reality. He goes on to say, quote, the center succeeded in obtaining better behaviors from the defendant, but the underlying reason he was determined to be incompetent is still present, end quote. However, Judge Ward Clarkson ruled on October 5th of 2020 that Mark Latunsky is mentally fit to stand trial. If it weren't for the pandemic, his trial would likely start right around now. But as of now, Mark's lawyer says that the defense would enter a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity, and that Mark will probably be hospitalized. Man. So, so yeah, it's yet to begin. Um, I wanted to mention one more thing. I mentioned earlier that Kevin had tattoos honoring Jeffrey Star, and I wanted to point out that when Jeffrey Star like got wind of what happened to Kevin, he reached out to the family and donated twenty thousand dollars towards his funeral expenses and his GoFundMe page. That's cool. And he also encouraged his millions of followers to do the same and help out. And the last I looked, it reached like thirty-seven thousand, and it was shut off. Like I don't know if it was shut down because it reached a goal or if it just shut down because it's kind of older. I don't know. But anyway, I just thought that was cool that he did that. Yeah. So, what have we learned from this case? Well. I think everybody knows you need to be incredibly careful when you're meeting new people, especially when you have no mutual friends, like when you meet someone on a dating app. So if you're meeting someone for a hookup, tell someone where you're going, when you'll be there, when you'll be back, give as many details as you can, and leave your phone on you and turned on. Meet in public places first and use your best judgment. Knowing that these dating apps still haven't found a way to like filter offenders from its users, it's really up to the users to do their due diligence and make sure they're sta- they're safe. And, you know, it sounds like Kevin really tried to do those things mm-hmm. and yet he still just had an encounter with evil. And unfortunately he's, he's gone because of it. So. <sighs> I agree with all of what you said about, you don't believe he wanted to die and that yet two other victims had escaped. I think there's a lot of like good logic there. Mm-hmm. So I think that makes sense. I don't think he wanted to die. I don't think he would have left his family on Christmas. Yeah. Um, and the, the two prior people is kind of an indicator of that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I'll say, I feel like I say this to Kelly every time after the episodes are over, over like every other third episode or something. And I may have said it before, but I just can't imagine the job of being a freaking attorney and going and like, like, 
no, I, I don't know how it works. I don't know if somebody does kill somebody and then if they go to their attorney and they say, hey, I didn't do it, prove me innocent. Or if they say, hey, listen, I did it, but I need you to help me out here. I don't know how that part works. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is when I don't know how these attorneys in cases where they're very clear, like a Casey Anthony. Yeah. Okay. Or like, like a this where he literally says, yeah, I did it. And, oh, well, we're going to plead not guilty. I'm going to try to help you not get in trouble because I'm going to help you plead insanity. I'm going to try to get you at a lesser case. Like, I don't, I don't understand how you could sleep at night yeah. knowing that you defend completely guilty dirtbag people. Yeah. You know, it's and a crazy job. In the case of, in this case, he's a public defender. He's probably assigned to this case, so he doesn't. You, you which, know, I, which, I don't want to say he doesn't have a choice. No, but I know, but it doesn't make it any different. Like, I'm just saying, like, imagine yeah. having that job. How do you sleep at night? I don't like, know. It, like, that's almost even worse. Right. Hey, we're going to, hey, not eating, hey, not getting bankroll payment because this person can afford, and we're, you're, you're going to have to try to twist the story and get them out of this thing. Yeah. No, hey, uh, you're assigned to this dirt bag that killed this person, so do the best you can uh, to help them out. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Like how many I don't know. attorneys? I could never do how it. many attorneys are like, either they know their person's guilty or they think they're guilty, but they're sitting there fighting a case the other way. It's just I don't know how they do that. I don't either. It's all just a game, mm-hmm. a sick and twisted the legal game. Heft. Yep. Well, I have a great week, everybody. Share it away if you would. That's how we grow. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. And um, the sources, just in case anyone's ever wondering where I get this information, I always post this the script to our... Lying. This chick's making that up. <laughs> um, I do post the script to our Patreon page, and at the very bottom of the script, I've, I cite all my sources like a good little English major I am. Yep. So if you're ever interested, the sources are on there. Share the podcast. Join Patreon if you want exclusive cool shit. Mama. Mystery. Out. Bye. Bye.